Hello everybody, I'm your host Nazarbina and this is the Omnichannel podcast brought to you by Omnichannel X, where we interview leading minds in content design, governance and systems from around the world. If you like this episode, remember to like and subscribe on whatever channel you're using and check out omnichannelx.digital for more info on our annual conference, blog and mailing list for exclusive offers and content. Now enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. My name is Nazar Bina. I am Program Director for the Omnichannel X Conference and a founder of Rubina Consulting and your host for the Omnichannel Podcast by Omnichannel X. Uh, I am here today with Christoph Trapp, one of the speakers at the 2021 conference that we've got going on and, uh, and an expert in, in many things related to content marketing and, uh, and Omnichannel strategy. So, uh, Christoph is going to be talking about how to create a content performance culture for your omnichannel strategy in uh, at the 2021 conference. Uh, if you if you if you're listening to this after the conference and you went, you can access that through the site. And if you're listening to it before the conference, then you can go check that out online and uh, and get tickets. So Christoph has uh, run integrated marketing campaigns across many industries, uh, many of which are popular at the conference, like healthcare, uh, software as a service, IT, nonprofits, and publishing. Uh, in his career, he's led teams of journalists, content creators, strategists, and uh, designers, and he's uh, driven six, uh, successfully driven results in those different roles. So we're very happy to have him. Today, he's a global top 14 content marketer, top 40 B2B marketer, top 100 uh, CX thought leader, and top 24 digital marketer. And he blogs on authenticstorytelling.net. You can check that out. He has been listed as a resource in the marketing industry many times. I've seen him all over uh, all over the web. Um, and he's a top 5% podcaster, which is, I think, massive. So his fourth book covers the topic of going live to get more out of your podcast and content strategy. So I will be, you know, uh, humbled in his presence as a podcast host here today. Uh, that that book was published in March 20, uh, March 2021, and I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, and I've got uh, I, I'm I'm very very excited to to kick this off. So Christoph, thank you, welcome for and uh, thanks for joining us today. You bet. Hey, nice to see you. How are you doing? Doing great. You know, definitely some crazy times happening here with COVID still raging across the globe, but we're all we're all making it work, right? Or we're trying at least. Fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's been this is going to be our second COVID uh, Omnichannel X. It's which is uh, bizarre. We only got, we only got to have one physical conference, and then we before we became a digital conference. But uh, people think we've been around for longer than that, which I take as a compliment. So. Um, you've been talking about the, the idea of going live and I'm, I'm really uh, a fan of this because I, I've been talking about the kind of blended hybrid experience, digital, physical, you know, bringing back, uh, well, you, you use the term authenticity, which I like, but um, it, it goes along the same philosophical lines of how do we bring back uh, real personal relationships, uh, sincerity, connection, trust, uh, two-way communication, real conversation in our audience relationships. Um, and of course, Omnichannel is a big part of that. And I think there's a lot of, you know, I'm obviously talking uh, a lot with my clients about how, you know, how we manage content, how we manage knowledge and data, et cetera, um, for better repurposing and more flexible repurposing, but actually live inter, like live uh, content in the moment content. That's something that I don't get a lot involved in a lot. 
So I'm very interested to hear about this. Um, so how, how, tell me a little bit about how you think going live, live streaming can help uh, an omnichannel strategy. So I only have so much time in my day, right? Just like any team. And, and you know what? I've never seen any team anywhere that says, oh, we have enough time or we have enough people. Always the main difference if they have four people or 10 or 60. Seriously, I've heard, I've heard it from all those different teams before. And live streaming really can, can be used as the starting point for your content side of things when it comes to your omni-channel strategy. And here's kind of how I run that system. So let's, let's go back six years. I would go out and I would interview healthcare experts, you know, and then we would write articles about what they just said. We didn't really do live streaming. So today, what I would recommend is instead of doing this in the privacy of our office, do the interview live on air, you know, like what we're doing right now. We just go live. It's already out there. And then you take that and you turn it into a podcast. And then you take the podcast and you push it to the 20 channels it should go to. And then you take the content, you turn it into articles, right? That helps with SEO, for example. Then you use the content for email campaigns. Then you use the content for whatever else. Like you could turn it into a book. You could do paid campaigns, whatever. Um, not every piece of content needs to be used everywhere, quite frankly, but you need to think about those options. What I found, Naz, is that a lot of companies are starting podcasts or they're thinking about it. And then, but, but podcasting is a brand new channel for everybody. Um, or a lot of people. And so basically they get 20 downloads, which is pretty good when you first start, but they wonder, is this worth it, 20 downloads? Well, if you live stream to the channels that you've built over the last 10 years, you have hundreds of views, hundreds of listens. Um, and you know, sometimes there's new channels, like for example, Amazon Life. I had a show on Amazon Life the other day at 27,000 views, like that's, you know what I mean? Like you have to use the ch other channels and basically um, get your content out there. And what I usually do is um, you push it to the live channels. You go live. You have the conversation. Then you use it on the podcast channels in a few weeks. Then you write the articles, which takes the longest and do the other content. Mm -hmm. But it's just it's a it's a very efficient way, in my opinion, to um, to really throw your content to parade and not just use it in one place at a time. That's really interesting. Um, I've gone in the last one minute from from really not kind of seeing the connection to totally getting it. Like I, because I, what I think you're you're saying is 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 similar to what I, I often talk about the kind of the Lego strategy, where we're talking about uh, taking our assets and making sure that they are assets that we can break up and and then reuse in, in different different ways for different audiences. Um, and I, and I have included podcasting in there. I just have never had the kind of, um, let's say the, the, the necessary courage to go live. I think there's something intimidating about that. Um, I, do you, do you find that, that, that it's really that different to kind of do a podcast where you, do, you don't have the safety net when you're, when you're actually live streaming? Yeah, so it's a very interesting question. So one thing, actually, when you go live, you take the power of the edit out of people's hands. So, mm -hmm. and the reason that's that's good and bad is because first of all, if you say something you don't want to say, you know, you already said it. But um, especially executives, you know, that have the power of the edit, typically, you just took it away from down the road that they have to use it right now. So if you don't want it on the air, don't say it, right? So it's very helpful to get stuff created quicker. 
because people can edit podcasts, but they can't edit the live streams, you know? So that's why it's, it's actually very helpful in the workflow. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't edit things. We, we can when in, in some uh, mediums, but I've seen it help the, the, the workflow, the production. Quite honestly, there is a little bit of a different stress level. So if, I'll give you an example. So we're recording with video on, and you're going to use the video. So I got the ring light in my face. I'm looking at the camera. You know, it's, it's a different level of on than if we were only recording audio, right? Because if I would have the same setup, but I would have the light off. I wouldn't look at the camera. I would look wherever. I would just sit here, right? Maybe even lean back a little bit more. Um, so now, so that's like the lowest level of stress, honestly, especially once you get into it. Then we're on camera. That's a level up. So now if we're going live, you have to think about it. We're going to go, it's another level up. So, mm -hmm. so I want to be honest about it. There is, it's a different stress level, but you get more reach, you get more out of it. You reach more people. People can interact. That's another thing, you know, on the live stream. Mm-hmm. People can ask questions um, and I answer them. You know, if somebody on LinkedIn Live asks a question, I say, oh, Amanda, who runs the Cashing In on Content Marketing podcast, just asked this question. Great question. What do you think? And then we talk about it. And so I do that for a number of reasons. First of all, it engages the audience. Second of all, it I'm re-establishing with a podcast audience that you can also listen live and you can ask questions. And I'm, it's like, you know, there's this full circle. Um, but it is definitely, it takes a little bit more work if you have somebody in-house who can produce it so you don't have to push all the buttons. Um, mm -hmm. Very, very helpful for sure. Um, I, you know, I produce my own show when I go live, obviously. And it's like, there is so much going on. Like, you know, like sometimes I'm like, what did the guest just say? Like, because I'm pushing buttons or there's a comment coming in. Um, so that's something to think about. But again, you know, it's all about the return. I mean, you, you know, if you can have like on Amazon Live, you have thousands of people listening on every show. Like I wouldn't want to lose that just because yeah, yeah. it's a little bit more stress, you know? Have you uh, have you addressed that that aspect of it? Like, say I'm the innovator in my in my organization. I think this is a great idea and I want to tie it into the overall strategy and I've got to sell that kind of, I've got to sell the idea. I've got to, but I've also got to kind of sell past the fear factor. Um, do you do you, do you have you helped or kind of organizations with that, or seen good techniques for for the people who may not have your um, let's say comfort level? Yeah, absolutely. And so, first of all, I, I'm an introvert. I know it's hard to believe, but the definition of an introvert, by the way, is that um, you don't get energy from you know doing things like this. And I do them all the time. So what that means is when I do a lot of stuff, I I'm I'm going to go lie down. I'm going to go sleep for like 59 hours, you know, but that doesn't mean I, I'm not, I can't be good at it. So just something to keep in mind that you can learn how to do it. And, and um, yes, yeah, so I, the way I usually approach that is um, when you invite people on the show, you just say, here's what we're doing. Here's why we do it. And then let's have a quick meeting, you know, before we go on air. And then in that meeting, you kind of walk through starter questions. And, and it's interesting to me because I've seen it all over the place. So here's my starter questions. And then I've seen people, guests, who go in and like write out the whole answer. And I'm like, oh, but don't just read it. And they mm. usually don't. But, and it sounds pretty good the few times that has actually happened. And then other guests just go, okay, I know what to say. I know what to say. Okay, okay, okay. 
Got it. So you kind of give them a little bit of comfort level before, um, and you just say, think of it like a conversation. And I think Marcus Sheridan, who wrote The Visual Sale, talks about this um, all the time. You know, think about it as a conversation. Like right now, I don't think of this as anything other than me just talking with you. you know, it's certainly obviously I'm looking at a light and a camera. It's a little bit different than us having coffee or drinks, but uh, that's I that's what I teach people to kind of do that. Just you know, go with the flow, be comfortable, be you, and then just answer the questions and have a conversation. And the other thing, it's so awesome about live streaming because people don't care. In fact, they appreciate when you're human. You know, every once mm. in a while, as you can see. So the way I'm set up here. You can't actually see when people come into my office because it's like we're just outside of frame. Mm-hmm. But the cats sometimes come back here and they just kind of sit there or they wrestle or whatever. And like people, like I don't go, oh my goodness, we have to, we have to stop the live stream because two cats are wrestling in the background. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. In fact, if anything, it makes us look more human, you know. Um, or like sometimes my 13-year-old will go back there and get something out of that room. Um, like whatever. Like nobody cares. So just be human, go with it, roll with it, you know, be, um, be fun and, um, you know, share what you want to share. I think that works, that works on a, I, I totally get that on an episode by episode basis, but what I'm anticipating is if, like, if I'm thinking about bringing this idea into projects, uh, I'm anticipating my, uh, maybe not even my leads reaction, but let's say their boss's reaction. So uh, I'll be working with my, my, my lead who might be head of content strategy, head of content, chief content officer. And I've got, you know, we're talking this idea and she goes, great. And then we take it to her boss and she goes, what are you nuts? Um, so it's not, not on the kind of the episode by episode, but the idea of bringing the technique into the, into the organization in the first place. So my question always is to those people that don't want to do it or they don't see it quite yet is how do you currently get your content? You know, and, and what's the point of your content creation? So I'll give you an example. I always laugh, I guess, for lack of a better term, at these projects where they say we need content around whatever, you know, and you're like, okay, who do I talk to? Like, I'm not the expert on every, I'm an expert maybe on content, but I'm not an expert on the subject matter, right? Most content strategists are not the expert on the on the the matter in the company so how do they get the content well they don't just make it up they don't just google it that's not how you do it so mm-hmm. you have to talk to somebody in the company an expert or you have to talk to somebody in the industry mm-hmm. you know which is by the way a whole another strategy because now they help you share the content and it helps your company actually be established and where everybody's looking for results it can help you get more results because instead of me just going into your office talking to you, we're just live streaming it with some prep. It's another way to get more out of your content strategy. And especially in B2B, Mm -hmm. I'm so amazed, honestly, how low the numbers are. I mean, there was a backlink, I think that the study, um, like the average B2B blog gets 282 organic visits per month. That's pretty low. Like the, you know, the top articles in B2B get like 49 organic, um, views um total or something or something like that i don't know what the timeline is wow. so my point is when the numbers are that low which makes sense to an extent right because b2b the buyer market is of course a lot smaller than b2c and so you know if i'm writing about construction equipment there's not 
millions of people who are in the industry, you know, it's, it's, a, I don't know, thousands probably. Mm -hmm. um, so it makes sense. You're fighting over a smaller uh, pot. Correct. Well, a smaller pot of people, probably a bigger pot of money, but yes. So, but oh, no, a smaller pie, like your slice of the pie. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, but at the end of the day, you know, how do you get the most out of your content? And that's just, you know, when people always say, oh, content marketing doesn't work. I'm like, well, let me see what you're doing. And they don't do anything. Like, of course it doesn't work. Hey, I, I haven't lost any weight. Weight loss is not working. Well, why is it not working? I'm like, I don't know, because I keep eating pies every day. Do you know what I mean? Like you have mm -hmm. to do the right thing and you have to try to drive those results. And it's just another way to make it easier, in, in my opinion, from everything I've seen. And, um, and the other thing is a lot of industries are not doing it, as you know. Mm -hmm. So when you're first... It's, it is a differentiator. And I have people say to me all the time, they go on a show and they're like, oh, that's so innovative. That's so cool. That's so whatever. And, you know, they know nobody else is doing it. So it's a, it's a differentiator um, just in the market. And especially if you're in a highly competitive market, um, anything you can get, right, you should take, in my opinion. So, okay. All right. All right. So the, the coming back to these, these platforms, like, I think it's you. You mentioned Amazon Live, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. And that's just that's just one example that's working really well for me for the business storytelling podcast right now. Mm -hmm. Are there some other things that you think your that our listeners should check out in terms of options for for where to platforms or this yeah. is because this is um, you know I've been podcasting for a couple of years, um, but this whole idea of of live streaming is actually pretty new to me. So there's, I know there's LinkedIn Live, there's there's Vimeo has the ability to live stream, um, but I've never heard of the Amazon. So what, who are the players in this world? What are the, who should we know about? So of course, like everybody copies each other, right? So start with where you already have an audience. So if you already have an audience, work extra hard to get LinkedIn Live approved. You know, that's super helpful. And you do have to get approval. There's some ways to, to speed that up, right? Like you partner with different companies, that offer live streaming services, for example. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's an idea. But if you if you have a huge audience on LinkedIn, start on LinkedIn. If you have a super engaged LinkedIn group, start there. Seriously, um, if you have like so, a lot of companies have um, Facebook groups, which that's mm -hmm. a whole different discussion whether that's a good idea or not. But let's say you have a really good Facebook group in your B two B market or B two C, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, start with the Facebook group. I don't actually stream to Facebook groups routinely, but you can do that. So if you have, I don't know, 30,000 people in your Facebook group, start there, you know, S stream to your Facebook group. If you have a good Facebook audience, stream to the Facebook page. Um, if you're active on Twitter, stream there. It's very fascinating to me. Twitter just killed Periscope, but you can still stream through Periscope, which is really weird. So I think they're just transitioning it to Twitter Live. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but you know, so, so look where you are. If you have a good YouTube channel, go to YouTube. I would also recommend, even if you don't have a big YouTube audience to still live stream to YouTube, no matter what, because now the content is there. And, you know, again, you take a step out because you didn't upload it, edited it. You just up, you just live streamed it. And now it's there. Um, YouTube actually gives you a few options to trim the video afterwards. So mm -hmm. you can cut out the beginning and the end. Same on LinkedIn, um, so I would do that. But yeah, pick the channels where you already are and then and then go there and try different things. For probably mostly consumer brands, 
Um, or B2B, maybe if you have books or something like that. Um, Amazon Life is definitely worth trying. Um, you know, Amazon Life works for me because I live stream my podcast episode and then all this equipment you see around me, people can buy it, you know? So people literally come on the show and they listen and they go, oh, that mic sounds really good. And then they click and they buy the mic, you know? Mm -hmm. so, um, so it works because of what I do and, and what the show is about. Um, might not work for like a B2B brand necessarily, but mm -hmm. uh, B2C, I think, especially if they sell stuff or there's relevant stuff on Amazon might be worth it. So yeah, look at the channels and then multi-stream. I was just going to say, is there a way to, is there a way to do this? Like choosing sounds like a very big commitment. And I know for the podcasting world, you can kind of put your podcast on anything and then syndicate it out. So what's the equivalent with live streaming? It's the same thing. And that's kind of, I'm glad you mentioned that because how much more effort does it take me to put my podcast on 20 channels versus 20, 10? No extra effort, right? It's the mm -hmm. same upload and it just goes to 10 more. Uh, same thing here. And you can use tools like Restream or uh, StreamYard, for example. And basically it just goes to all the different channels at the same time. Um, and especially when I first start, I always promote that. You know, I say, oh, we're live on Amazon, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, et cetera. And you go from there and Restream can go up to like 30 channels. Mm. So uh, quite amazing to see the technology. And, you know, my fun story is like five years ago, we, we did multi-streaming of webinars and we literally just put up one phone for Twitter, one phone for YouTube, one phone for Facebook, you know, and now it's all in one place and, and then it saves it, right? It saves the mm. recording. So you literally just grab it, grab the audio, and then push that to podcast. Wow. I'm, I'm definitely sold. So tie this, um, just so you may be, you, you heard it here first, folks. You may be seeing <laughs> us go live uh, shortly in the future. Um, so tie this back to your authentic storytelling uh, idea. This, this um, I, I'm big on the idea of, of the, the, those that will survive and thrive in the future are those who use omni-channel to create experiences. Mm -hmm. So it's not, uh, you know, it's not about just about product. It's not just about marketers, not just about content. And that's what omni-channel X is really about. It's not about any of us. It's about, the, it's about how we come together as cross-disciplinary organizations to deliver experiences, which, you know, it takes a village. That's what we're all about. So how does live streaming help with the, and, the, the, and your authentic idea um, to, to tie into this kind of brand experience? Yeah, so first of all, everybody is trying to stay in front of our audiences, right? And one way to do that is really to, to be the authentic self that you are. And sometimes people argue with me that brands can't do that. I'm like, well, you have to, because if, if, if brand A and brand B do virtually the same thing, and all they talk about is, oh, our widget is slightly better. And I'm like, I don't even care because I'm not even listening to you. Do you know what I mean? So being authentic and sharing your stories and staying in front of people is important. And I think live streaming. So, so for example, if I'm a jerk, it's really easy to mask on the, in the written word, right? Especially when 12 people have to read it. But you might not catch it. But if I'm a jerk and I'm on live streams all the time, super hard to fake for a long time. I mean, it really is. Like, think about it, you know, like everybody will have um, an opinion about us. You know, they like us or they don't like us. They like our facial expressions or they like mm -hmm. our haircuts or they don't. 
sorry guys, I can't do anything about it. I'm bald, um, but looks great, right? For both of us. So anyway, but at the end of the day, it's really difficult to be inauthentic, to, to fake it on a live stream. So mm. you have to bring like a level of yourself. And I think that's awesome because, you know, it really like, so if I'm, if I'm thinking about um, buying a SaaS tool or something, and I'm listening to the, S, the, the CEO on a live stream, I was like, man, this, this guy really knows what he's talking about. I kind of like him too. And I even kind of like his SaaS or I don't like his SaaS. You know what I mean? So it can be helpful. It can also hurt if you're, mm -hmm. but um, at the end of the day, you know, if we're trying to differentiate, we, we have to go deeper than just talking about, oh, look at our little widget. It's, uh, you know, a little, little wider than the competitions. Um, it's not a differentiator, you know, it's, I mean, it's not long-term. Okay. This is, this is fascinating for me because this takes me in a direction of like, all sorts of thinking about like, uh, you know, the show Black Mirror. Mm -mm. No, it's a sci-fi kind of dystopia kind of thing. And I'm thinking about what's happening with, with politics and the, and the news and how that, you know, the, the political, the news political industry kind of becoming more and more, you know, back and forth. We're seeing people hop back and forth between these two industries. Uh, well, I shouldn't even, I shouldn't call um, politics an industry, but that's what it's starting to feel like when you see people literally going back and forth, uh, taking jobs in the media and then becoming politicians and vice versa or, or actors. Um, I'm thinking about my clients, like for example, they sell a brain scanner or, a, you know, uh, uh, microchips or something like that. And I'm thinking about the SMEs that we've worked with and they, they may be very clever people, but is there this, do you, I'm talking about practical experience, not theory. Do you have to kind of seek out your most charismatic SME? Like, cause some of these people pointing a camera at them might be an experience that they're just not, you know, they're, they're saying, that's not me. That's not how I communicate. That's not how I want to engage with people, but they're the ones with the knowledge. So how do you kind of handle that? <laughs> it's a fantastic question. So first of all, you got to have a conversation with them. And some people just don't know what they are, what they actually can do. Right. So, so mm. just, you have to build that relationship with them and, and kind of explain what you're trying to do. And I still remember six years ago, I would go to um, doctors, you know, high ranking healthcare officials. And I'd be like, well, we're doing this because the SEO and like, oh yeah, I actually know what that is. Kind of, you know, like we want to show up in search and maybe I didn't use the term SEO, but Google, you know? And so they kind of get it. They start mm -hmm. getting it. They hear things here and there. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's always ways around pretty much everything. So I'll give you an example. So I don't mind going on camera, but let's say your, your subject matter expert doesn't want to go on camera. Mm. Don't force them. Here's how you do a live stream on video without showing anybody's face. You just put up the logo and you put a thing up and say, unmute to hear us. Who cares? We're just talking heads anyways. I mean, as you know, fun we are to look at, but but at the end of the day, there are ways around it and say, hey, okay, I get it. You don't want to do that. You don't want to be animated on camera and whatever. Mm -hmm. First of all, you don't have to be animated. Second of all, sounds good. How about we do this, you know? And then you just do a live stream that's audio only, not live stream, yeah, video live stream mm -hmm. that's um, audio only. Um, and you kind of see how it goes. And I bet you at the end, when you have a good and skilled um, interviewer, they'll be like, mm -hmm. oh, that was a lot easier. That was kind of fun. 
you know, mm. or, you know, I've had high ranking people who, who said, well, it's my first podcast. This was before live streaming. It's my first podcast. And my daughter said something and we talked about that on air and she was like, oh, that's so fun. You know, it's like it, it, it loosens it up. So, yeah, you don't want to push them too far and you kind of mm-hmm. want to see how it's going, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, but there are always ways around it. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they also have a problem. Otherwise, they wouldn't be talking to marketing. And if you can show them that this is one of the solutions, I'm sure they would be much more open to it. I mean, I still, mm-hmm. I, you know, when I work with uh, people and I, you know, I first pitch like blogging strategies, people are like, why do we do it? Why? Okay. Oh, because we want to switch the market perception. Okay. You think that's going to work? Like, yes, it will. It's a marathon, not a sprint, even though it's mm-hmm. going to feel like sprinting. And like, okay, because you're painting the vision that that's mm. also going to help their problem, right? Mm. So you always have to, it's always about whoever you're talking to, obviously. I, I yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that. I, um, I guess what I was getting at with the kind of dystopias um, and some of the things we're seeing where, where charismatic personalities are, I guess charisma being uh, the uh, like something you put in your CV now, in the sense that uh, do you have you ever seen I, what I'm seeing? Let me clarify. So we're talking about authentic brand storytelling, and we're talking about putting people on live streams. And I can see the potential of use here of you know somebody senior saying, "Well, we need to actually hire for this. We go find us a, the the charismatic SME." Who will, who was not, who will either is not a jerk or will come off as not being a jerk, because our actual SME and our CEO is a jerk. So have you have you seen that? Have you seen people kind of gaming the system by actually trying to get more authentic by taking people who are, are not their authentic selves and putting those them up as as their kind of representatives? Not not for the SME position, but and I don't want to say I don't I don't want to say it's the gaming the system necessarily. It's like you know trying to maximize the system. I mm. think where it's where it's more common is you hire for the host, or you pick the best host. You know because you always need two people. Mm-hmm. So the SME comes on every once in a while, right? It's not mm-hmm. usually the same person. Um, so even if you have one bad episode, whatever, like you move on, you know, to mm-hmm. the next thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the host needs to have a certain level of personality and fun, you know, and like, or, or not, I shouldn't say fun, because depending on what you talk about, you might not want to make it fun, but the, the, the right level of personality. So, but I have seen companies do that. In fact, there's companies out there now that um, they literally have hosts, you know, like you can pick from uh, a, a group of hosts. And I think that's mo- more common in podcasting currently but I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that expands into live streaming so the host needs to have a certain level of it needs to sound good and that's nothing when you first start mm-hmm. you don't need a fancy mic but once you get going you, you your audio needs to sound good at the very least because now there's two million podcasts out there which is still a lot less than websites uh-huh. and eight and 80 million um, Americans listen to podcasts weekly. So that's about a third of, you know, so so there's actually, it's a big audience um, of people listening to, to podcasts. But um, audio is a differentiator. And I do this every morning. I have like, I don't know, 10 to 12 new episodes of different shows. And if somebody's audio is bad and I got 10 other ones to listen to, I move on. I'm like, I'm 
done. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So at some at some point, not the first couple episodes, but you need to have a good setup. Uh, plus, I mean, like these mics are like sixty bucks now, so it's not like it doesn't break the bank anymore. Mm. Yeah, I, I was. I just want to kind of comment on this. I saw a great thing about. I don't remember who it was, but they're talking about their their, their podcast and and the, that we have a perception that the visual is more important than audio. And uh, he said, it's not. And he said, the way up, it's very simple to prove it to you. Because if we were sitting here right now and the, uh, and the video went out, you can still hear us, it would be fine. Or if it got scrambled or something. But if the audio went out and you've just got a, some lips moving and people gesticulating with their hands, you turn it off immediately. And the other thing what's interesting too is, so this reminds me of the, the story. Um, I actually, on a live stream, I lost the guest's video. Mm. completely and i'm like so i'm just i'm like oh i just think i lost your video well why don't you leave and come back and i keep talking and then i'll see you in a minute and so like you have to, so a hundred things can go wrong on mm -hmm. live streams you just got to roll with them so he came back still didn't work and i go ah whatever we'll keep going and so i put myself in like the logo full screen and then on the top i just put a little graphic up saying voice of ryan carruthers the master mastery membership mm -hmm. site and that's how we finished. Like nobody messaged me and said, oh, Christoph, I couldn't believe we couldn't see the guest. Like, mm -hmm. and on the podcast didn't make any difference, right? Because yeah. it's all audio only. So my point is you're absolutely correct because the other way around, nobody would have listened. This way mm -hmm. we still finished it. And, and then the other thing to keep in mind is you have to chill. You have to relax. hundred things can go wrong and they will. Um, I've had so many things go wrong. So just have a backup plan. Go from this to this. If that doesn't work, sometimes you have to reschedule. Sometimes you might just do audio. Sometimes you might just don't do it live. So there's all these things. And, and I think it's important to prep everybody to uh, to understand that. And, and most of those things are out of my control. I'm not in charge of the internet. I'm not in charge of LinkedIn. I'm not in charge mm -hmm. of, you know, I'm barely in charge of sitting in this chair at the right time. <laughs> Is Okay. Last question. I'm trying to be the voice of my audience here and ask you all the things I think my clients would ask you. And I've got some 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 clever clients. And so they so is there a way to uh, is there a way to do and we're we're, you know, we're looking at this stuff for Omnichannel X for the for the video presentations uh, to to actually pre-record it and then kind of do a, a, um, a hybrid thing where you're actually, you have pre-recorded it, but then you stream it live over channels and then you can participate in chat in real time. So there's kind of, you're duplicating yourself because I can't, you know, while I'm conducting an interview, I can't actually take chat questions in real time. I can't branch off and, and, and have been multiple places at once, but you can actually, in fact, engage the audience in a way more if you pre-recorded it and are, are actually able to, to engage in other, another channel uh, in parallel. So can you do that with live streaming? So you kind of stream a recording and then you're kind of uh, adding a layer of interactivity while that recording is streaming. Yeah, it, it kind of, it's a little bit against the, the concept of live streaming. And in fact, some of the networks frown on that just a little bit. They all, when I say frown, they have different rules. So for example, LinkedIn tells you, you're not supposed to just, uh, you know, do that. Now mm -hmm. I've done that before. I've done actually entire projects where I just like so on Valentine's Day, Vox Pop me ask consumers, um, send a love letter 
to your to your um, favorite brand. So it was an hour and a half video, and I literally just live streamed it everywhere, right? It mm. live, like I, I streamed the recording, mm -hmm. and it worked, but that was like one out of who knows how many episodes, right? Mm -hmm. um, and nobody shut me down. Amazon, however, which again, B2B, you wouldn't care necessarily, um, Amazon shuts it down and their AI is just fantastic. And in fact, one time I wasn't even uh, streaming a recording, but I wasn't moving enough. And they said, it seems like you're live streaming uh, a recording. We don't appreciate that. Huh. And so I know, right? So they, wow. whatever I did was um, too close to what their AI was flagging. And so anyway, so I think you can do it. And I think you want to, I think it's worth trying. I think it's actually very interesting concept in fact i might have to add that into my book next year for the update um <laughs> so you stream the recording and then you have somebody in the co comments and they can comment um so i think that's a good idea sometimes um i think that would work um the one thing to think about though is depending how big your audience is if you have a big audience definitely mm -hmm. works right mm -hmm. if you're just starting and you get a smaller audience you might not get many comments. Mm -hmm. So it's going to feel a little bit like a waste of time for the person to sit there. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's an interesting model. Just be just be aware that you want to have a good mix. So if you're going to um, only do that and never do any true live streams, at some point, one of the networks might um, not be too excited about that. All right. Okay. So that's a fact. So again, this is this is all this is all virgin territory for me. So I'm I'm very cool, and I'm hoping that it's going to be also as intriguing for our audience. Um, I think that's all probably what we have uh, time for today. I've had an awesome time uh, chatting, Christ, uh, Christoph, and I'm looking forward to your talk at the conference very much. Um, I think it's the first time we've been able able to have you at the conference. So uh, thank you for joining us, um, and I recommend people check that out on on the site. He's uh, Christoph is already on the program, as well as our many other speakers from brands like IBM, Oracle, uh, Eli, Eli Lilly Pharmaceuticals, Electronic Arts Gaming, um, Microsoft, and, and on and on and on. Um, oh, and of course, that little company, Google. Uh, I shouldn't forget them. And uh, so uh, check that out. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast and, uh, and to the YouTube channel. And uh, this will be posted on our blog and, uh, and on all our various other channels as well, uh, to, as it goes with our name. So thank you, for, thank you very much, Christoph. You bet. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. And thanks, everybody else, for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. This has been the Omnichannel Podcast with Naz Rubina, founder of Rubina Consulting. Drop us a comment on our LinkedIn or Twitter and let us know what questions you'd like answered next time and who you'd like to hear interviewed. See you then.